Dr. Will Moorhead was raised in Beach Island, South Carolina. He grew up riding barrel racing horses. He earned his undergraduate degree in animal science from Auburn University and his veterinary degree from Mississippi State University in 2019. After graduation, he did an internship at Brazos Valley Equine Hospital in Texas and took an associate position in that practice after his internship year. While he was an associate, he completed the animal chiropractic program at the Animal Chiropractic Education Source in Meridian, Texas. He is certified by the American Veterinary Chiropractic Association. In November of 2021, he took the big step of leaving general equine practice and starting his own animal chiropractic business, Flex Animal Chiropractic. Please enjoy this conversation with Dr. Will Moorhead as we discuss his education, experience in equine practice, the factors that led him to start his own animal chiropractic business, and how he is building that business while working as a music director for the Professional Rodeo Cowboys Association. Dr. Moorhead, thanks for taking the time today. Absolutely. Happy to do it. Hey, where'd you grow up? I'm originally from uh, a very small town in South Carolina called Beach Island, and uh, it's nowhere near a beach, and there is not an island. It's actually about five minutes outside of Augusta, Georgia. Ah, and you grew up with horses, if I'm correct? I did. Um, so um, uh, as I was growing up, my father was a professional rodeo announcer um, and uh, also announced some just divisional barrel races. It was a time when that was kind of really taken off. Um, and so I actually grew up in, in doing a lot of barrel racing, but, um, I think my parents did a pretty good job of kind of giving me more of a, a rounded, you know, Hey, this is, <laughs> you just need to know how to ride a horse, not necessarily just, you know, go out and run. But, um, yeah, uh, we had, uh, anywhere between, you know, three and, and six horses at a time. Uh, before I was born, I believe my parents actually did uh, uh, raise some some foals and things like that. And uh, they kind of got back into that a little bit more as I was uh, getting ready to leave uh, from from high school and, and go off to college. But um, yeah, horses were kind of always um, just, just a part of my life, I guess. And uh, learned a lot from it, you know, a lot of responsibility, having to take care of them, you know, just being outside, you know, you know, making sure everything gets fed, stalls clean, things like that. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, from, from the very beginning, that was always my interest as far as getting into what I wanted to do with my life. Um, you know, horses are, are just kind of, I guess my animal, you'd say I like dogs. I'm a dog guy, not, not big on cats. Don't hate them. But, um, if I had had to choose something that I would rather work on, you know, horses, I just kind of, we just kind of get along. Did you have, uh, was your family veterinarian a good example for you? Um, I would say yes and no. Um, I don't know that we as a family were, were the picture of a good, um, uh, you know, from the veterinary perspective, a, a good type of client, you know, we really only called when we had a problem, um, did most of our vaccinations ourselves. Luckily, uh, from what I can remember, never had any major issues with colic or anything like that. Um, you know, uh, got Coggins and everything done, you know, once a year. And, um, I, I remember our, our vet from when I was younger, he actually did, uh, horses, but then he, he worked at some small animal clinics, uh, over in, in Augusta and Martinez, Georgia. Um, and so I hung out with him some, um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know that I ever really 
uh, got excited about just, Hey, I want to just kind of hang out with a veterinarian all day type thing. Uh, just being a kid and being, um, easily, easily bored. I was the kind that I always wanted to be doing something sitting around too long. I was just kind of, you know, this, this isn't very exciting. Um, but yeah, he, he was a good guy and, and I did learn, learn some things from him, you know, about horses and dogs. Cause you know, he'd come out and if we had anything that we needed for our dogs, he'd kind of take care of that too. And then, uh, as he got older, we actually, um, started to use, um, uh, a girl that, uh, or I guess a lady, I should say that, uh, we kind of grew up with. She, she barrel raced with me. She's probably, uh, four or five years older than I am. Um, and, uh, so I, I went to, I got my undergrad degree from Auburn University and she was finishing up her, her vet school, uh, career there the summer before I was going to go to school. Uh, and then she went back to, you know, around home, probably about 30 minutes from home and, and started working at a practice there. And so, uh, once she got back, she kind of became the, the veterinarian for, uh, you know, horses and dogs that we had there, uh, you know, since I was gone. What took you to Auburn? money <laughs> pretty simple yeah uh, coming out of high school i got a, a a full ride to auburn um on academic scholarship um had a, a couple places that i i was interested in going and and really just it, it was all about where, where can i go to you know maximize maximize the benefit and that was a, a pretty good benefit i had grew up we so we are uh you know, a little over two hours or so from Athens, Georgia, University of Georgia. All my family's big University of Georgia Bulldog fans and kind of grew up around that and always thought that's where I'd end up going. And, um, you know, they just uh, I got accepted to go there for, for undergrad and um, they just didn't offer quite the same scholarship. So I said, hey, we're, we're going to go there and I don't know how it's going to go, but uh, actually, I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, Auburn's a, a beautiful place. and. Uh, you know, I think that their College of Agriculture is is fantastic that I, I went through there, got my degree in animal sciences, um, learned a lot there. And then uh, actually uh, I got accepted to the to the vet school at Auburn as well, um, but decided to not stay there. Uh, and I went to Mississippi State University because as a South Carolina resident, um, they have a, a contract with uh, Mississippi State and Georgia. I know at one time they did with Tuskegee as well. I don't know if they still have that one or not, but you know, a certain amount of seats, South Carolina, the state will pay the out of state portion of tuition because in South Carolina, currently we do not have a vet school. I did read recently that Clemson is going to, um, look into, or have already looked into, or already started the process of, of creating a vet school for the state of South Carolina. So South Carolina just had those two contract states that are the Two contract schools then. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. So uh, that was a savings as well, right? Yes. Yes. And so again, it was, you know, kind of a, a money situation um, and, you know, realizing that there's probably not a huge difference in, in the type of education that I would get. The main difference I would uh, say is um, 
you know, Mississippi State boasts that they have a, a two and two program. So you do two years of class there and then two full years of clinical rotations, as opposed to most places that do, you know, three years in the classroom, one year of rotations or, or similar. You know, I know some places are kind of a, you know, as soon as you finish up that third year, you go right into clinical rotation. So it ends up being more than a year. But, um, the the two full year thing that's kind of what they get excited about and that's what they really pitch to try and get people to come there um you know that was never a huge deal breaker for me i do think that it was helpful to get some more hands-on experience and get more of an opportunity to kind of see some different things and get to spend more time on certain rotations as opposed to you know hey you've got two weeks of this and then you're done um i think certain rotations, I would have liked that a little bit better. Uh, you know, s s small animal internal medicine was not really what I ever planned to do with my life. And so spending six weeks there, uh, was, uh, you know, wasn't bad, but, uh, I would have much rather been, you know, working with horses during that time. Sure. How big was your, your, uh, class there? I believe we graduated with uh, about 93 or 95. It's, uh, it was still a fairly small class at that time. I think they may have grown a little bit. Um, but, uh, the, all the classes around me were in the range of 80 to, to 90. Did you enjoy your school there? I did. And I didn't, um, you know, I think I went into it with a little bit of a, a negative bias just from the standpoint of, um, again, you know, I grew up two hours from Athens, Georgia. I always thought that was where I was going to go to college and then go to vet school. Um, and I applied to the vet school there and I did not get accepted. And so I was, you know, upset about that. Um, you know, through my time at Auburn, I, I really enjoyed it there. And I think that I would have been happy staying there in vet school as well. Um, but again, I was like, you know, the money situation, it would have cost me twice as much to stay there and go to vet school as it would have to go to Starkville. Uh, and, and go to Mississippi State. And so that was kind of a, a simple, uh, at least in my mind, a simple option. Um, I also applied to Texas A&M uh, because I went there a couple times while I was in Auburn, really enjoyed it. Texas was kind of always where I planned on going, uh, what I wanted to do with my life, you know, work on horses. And, um, you know, Texas is just kind of the place that I always thought I wanted to be. And, you know, if I was going to go ahead and go there and um, you know, I really liked the campus there and, um, uh, I, I felt lucky that I got an interview, uh, cause they, at least at the time, the statistics on their out of state acceptance was about two to three seats per class. Um, and their class size was a, a good bit larger. Um, I believe they had maybe 120, 140, something like that in their class. So I can probably look that up online if you want to a fact check, but I, I think that's about what it was. And so, um, I was excited. I got an interview there, but ended up not getting accepted. And so, um, you know, going into school at Mississippi state, I think it was just kind of one of those negative thoughts of, you know, I couldn't get anywhere else. And this was just kind of, you know, what was left. Um, I, I do think that there were a lot of good things that came out of that. I have some great friends, uh, that I got from my time there that I, you know, still stay in touch with and that I know that I could reach out to them with questions about not only if I have something going on with one of my dogs or, uh, you know, my wife's a veterinarian as well. If she has any questions about cases that she sees, um, you know, like reach out to any of them, but then also just kind of life things. Uh, and then also, you know, there were a, a good handful of, 
of clinicians and, and teachers there that really did care about the students and wanted to make sure that they got a good education. Um, and, uh, you know, I really appreciated that and feel like those are also people that I could reach out to if I had any questions about anything. Uh, but then, you know, I'll, as you'll have with, with pretty much any institution of higher education at, at a certain point, there is some bureaucracy and just some politics that kind of, you know, don't really make any sense. And so some of that was frustrating, but not to say that that wouldn't be the same anywhere you went. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'd say for the most part, you know, it was, it was, it was fairly good. The, the only, the only downside to go into a school other than Texas A&M living in Texas is, you know, most people, uh, you know, when I was still in, in regular clinical practice, they want to, you know, ask where you went to vet school when you, when you first show up. And if it's not Texas A&M, they're like, oh, I guess that's kind of like a vet school. Well, yeah, I, I guess so. That seems to be changing a lot, you know, here when I interact with other veterinarians, you know, it was of course always Ohio state or nothing. And yeah, and now yeah. there's, it's, it's a complete distribution, you know, because people relocate and, you know, with the larger acceptance of out of state students at schools, you know, we just get, we get graduates from all over. And I think that's a good thing. Hey, while I'm thinking of it was, um, was Dr. Brazier still in? Yes. Yes, he, he was. Okay. Okay. He and I were resident mates. Really? So, yes. All right. Yes, indeed. So I hope you, he, I'm sure he gave you a great education. When we got down onto you know, rotations and uh, having him on internal medicine, he is not only a very brilliant man, but a very funny man. That That is true. That is true. And I'm sure you heard the story about his, his uh, first day of vet school in Louisiana State, <laughs> wearing, uh, wearing shorts and sitting in the front row, <laughs> having the dean... Uh, call him out for being uh, unprofessionally dressed. Yeah. Well, it, and one of his favorite things to do was if we were ever sitting around and got bored, he would, you know, call up to the front and make sure that they, uh, you know, he'd be like, Hey, can you page uh, Anna Sarka to come up to the front desk, please? Or Sarah Bellum. Or... <laughs> oh gosh. Now you went into vet school with the idea that you were going to just do horses, right? Yes. So that was always, uh, well, I, I'll say that I went into it with, a fairly open mind. I knew that horses was what my main interest was, but I wasn't going to say that I was going to completely, you know, not do small animal. I was open to the idea of possibly doing some sort of mixed animal type situation. But, uh, I think at the back of my mind, I really knew that, uh, horses was what I wanted to focus on. And yeah. I, and I think that, you know, I kind of went through, all of my classes and everything pretty much knowing that not that I, you know, sandbagged anything that I was doing, but, um, you know, at, at the end of it, it was, you know, I, I did all of my externships at, uh, equine only clinics and, um, pretty much knew that's what I wanted to focus on. And, uh, and part of that is I think that it just even going through vet school, it, it gets very frustrating just when you're, you know, trying to do all these different things and study for all these different tests that you have all in one week and you've got all this information. And to me, it was like, if I'm going to do more than one species and more than one species in both medicine and surgery, it's it just in theory to me, it's like, yes, I know people can do that, but it's kind of you got to sacrifice something at one point. Like I, I want to be the best at something. Yeah. And to me to do that, you kind of needed to focus on, you know, just, just one, one species at least. And so I was like, you know, horses is what I wanted to do. Horses is what I'm going to focus on. And I'm going to 
doing my best to be a, a good equine veterinarian. So where'd you go after school? Uh, my first year out of school, I went to uh, Brazos Valley Equine Hospital in Salado, Texas. I did a externship there for, I believe, three weeks. Um, my fourth year of vet school, really loved it there. Um, all the, the staff uh, I got along with really well. Um, they were one of those places that you could go as a student and, you know, they would, you know, really let you get your hands dirty, get in, do things, you know, within reason, not, not getting too crazy. But I mean, um, you know, I, I, I learned a lot while I was there on my externship, but then also it was just one of those places where I felt like I really, you know, fit in and they really wanted me to come back. Um, and so I did a, a year internship there, uh, and then things went, went fairly well. And so I ended up staying on with them as an associate for a year after that. Well, was your internship, uh, what was that like? Did you have a lot of supervision? They just gave you the keys to a truck? How did it work? <laughs> yeah, no, they were, they were pretty good. You know, especially at the beginning, just, um, the, so the, the clinic, when I started there, the, the year, so actually while I was there on my externship, they had just hired a new associate that had done an internship there in the past. And she was also from, from South Carolina, um, and uh, she had gone to the University of Georgia. She did her internship, then went and practiced for a year in North Carolina and came back there. And um, so, I mean, having her there while I was an extern was was kind of good just to, you know, have somebody to kind of chat about, you know, not only how they do things for interns and then, you know, also just, you know, how is it to go practice somewhere else? Because obviously she came back and enjoyed it. Um, but uh, there were two, two main doctors. So uh, Brazos Valley Equine Hospital is, is almost a, a corporate entity. They have several different locations. Um, and, um, the, they have, you know, one that kind of r- runs the practice pretty much, but, the uh, the overall Brazos Valley Equine Hospitals has, I don't know how many people that are all partners in it. And so two, two of the partners, you know, worked at the clinic. And so I considered them, you know, both, both my boss and they were, they both had very different styles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from the beginning, uh, it was, it was always very good to know, you know, I, you, you could call e- either one of them, you know, whether it's, you know, middle of the night or, or whatever, and kind of ask them, you know, Hey, I've, I've got this emergency or whatever. Um, cause you know, all, all the cases that would come in would go under one of them. Um, and then we just kind of manage it and they were pretty good about, you know, you know, also depending on how busy the day was, you know, sometimes asking, Hey, you know, wh- what do you want to do with this? Or, you know, why do you think we're doing this and, and discussing it? If they thought that I didn't understand something, uh, you know, obviously there'd be days where it's just like, Hey, do this, uh, kind of thing. But the, the thing that I did enjoy about that specific clinic, uh, from my externship and going into the internship was, um, you know, some of the other places that I had been and heard of, you know, they pretty much treated their interns almost as glorified techs. You know, you're going to go around every hour, every two hours and do these treatments on these horses. And, um, you know, whenever you get done with that, you can come watch us do lamenesses and then, you know, go back to it again and get started whenever you need. And then y'all are going to stay up all night and do the same thing. Um, and to me, that wasn't really what I was interested in. Um, and so I, I did appreciate that it was more of a, um, you know, I, I got 
appointments of my own as an intern, especially as we got further along into it and, you know, had some ambulatory calls and, uh, you know, most of it was emergency type stuff. So, you know, a lot of colics, little lacerations, things like that. But a couple other random things, you know, in Texas, we see, you know, a fair amount of things like uh, nasopharyngeal cicatrix and, um, you know, allergy type stuff, especially in the summer. And, uh, you know, you get a lot of laminitis whenever we do get rain and, uh, you know, and donkeys and minis got, got to see a fair amount of those too. You know, they just kind of, stay laminitic. So a lot of stuff like that. And then, you know, back at the clinic, just most of the time, what we do is just kind of shadow, um, you know, one of the other veterinarians whenever we didn't have any cases that we needed to be actively managing in hospital. And, um, it was a big sports medicine practice. So a lot of lameness. Um, and then, um, one of, one of my bosses, uh, John Janacek, he, uh, is a board certified surgeon, uh, one of the one of the few people around the country that'll do Wobbler surgeries. So, um, you know, I'd scrub in with him occasionally whenever he had things come in. Uh, you know, depending on on what it was, and again, whatever we had going on. But we always tried to have one of the interns scrub in, and um, you know, one of the other ones help out with anesthesia. Or, you know, stay out and take care of treatments, or you know, go do whatever emergencies were necessary. So. Got to see a lot of stuff there. And then um, the other uh, clinician there, Bo Whitaker, um, mostly just did lameness type stuff. And he was more so into a lot of um, English hunter jumper horses. Um, he'd go out uh, a couple days a week and would just stay out at these big barns and just kind of, you know, run through. So it was it was a different kind of medicine because uh, John was, was more so focused on a lot of uh, or maybe not say focus, maybe that'd be a poor word, but most of his clientele was more so Western performance type horses. So we saw a lot of rope horses, barrel horses, um, you know, where we were not a lot of cutters. Occasionally we'd, we'd see a few, but, um, those were more so the horses I was interested in. Cause that was kind of the, the area of the horse world that I came from. Sure. Um, yeah. but, uh, you know, definitely learned a lot from both of them as far as, you know, how to manage things. And then, you know, a, a lot of times too, you'd, you'd have a question about a certain case and you'd ask each one of them and they'd both give you kind of different answers. And, um, you know, that was a good learning perspective too, of just knowing, Hey, this is, you know, kind of one of those things where it's not, there's not really a right answer, which I think was, it was, and is one of my, uh, most frustrating I guess ideals or, you know, things that surround veterinary medicine is that a lot of times there just is not a right answer. And that's just very frustrating. And uh, I think ultimately that was one of the big things that led me to leave a regular clinical job. So how did that come about? You, you had stayed on after your internship and then, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. I stayed on for right at a year. Um, and as we were getting, you know, further along in that year, just, um, you know, th things that were, you know, kind of going on in my head and, you know, outside in life, it was just kind of, it wasn't progressing the way that I thought it would. Um, not to say that things were going poorly, but just, um, I, I myself was in, in not a great place, uh, mentally. And, um, you know, I, I thought that things would get better by possibly taking a different job. And then that didn't really change anything at all. Only stayed there about three months. Um, and then, you know, 
uh, I think that really just drove home that a what you would think of as a traditional veterinary career was not really for me. Um, you know, I just kind of got to a place where I was, you know, anxious and, and depressed pretty much uh, all the time. And a lot of it was focused around, um, you know, my job and, and my perception of how I was doing at my job. Um, cause you know, like I said, when I left vet school, you know, I, I, I'm the kind of person that when I do something, I want to be the best at it. And if not be the best at it, at least do a damn good job. And, you know, if I couldn't feel that way about, you know, what I was doing, um, yeah, I realized that, you know, a lot of people will say, well, you didn't really give it a lot of time. You're only out two years, you know? Um, and you know, a lot of that too, is just, again, kind of perception. I mean, somebody outside may have looked at it and said, Hey, you're doing a great job. I mean, you know, there's plenty of people that gave me compliments on, on things that I had done, but it was just, again, that inner feeling of, um, you know, going home at night wondering, even on just simple cases, like, did I do the right thing on this? Um, you know, is is this going to work or, you know, is this person going to call me back in two weeks and say, Hey, what you did didn't work. You know, what are you going to do now? I was like, I I don't have anything else in my bag of tricks to, to fix anything here. And I just, I I put a lot of pressure on myself, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and it just at at that time was, was not healthy for me. And, and luckily my, my wife is, um, you know, very supportive and, um, you know, she was supportive of me when I told her, you know, I, I wanted to, to take another job. And, um, then, you know, she was really the one that kind of pushed me to, you know, step away. Um, cause I had even mentioned and, you know, just, I remember it was, you know, probably October, which here in Texas, the grass is still growing. So I was out mowing the grass and just thinking in my mind, how would it possibly work if I was to you know, just leave, leave uh, a regular clinical job? Because at, at that point, um, I had, uh, gone through the, the chiropractic program with, uh, Dr. Bill and Dr. Amy at, uh, ACES and, uh, had, had finished that up. I uh, had not taken my uh, certification test through the ABCA yet, but, um, you know, I had I'd been adjusting horses for, um, I guess, you know, maybe at that time uh, a little over a year or right at a year. Um, and so I was like, you know, would it be possible to just do this? And so I actually had a conversation with uh, Dr. O about that. And, um, you know, we kind of just talked about numbers and, Um, you know, my wife was, you know, she, she's very much a numbers and a planning type person. So she sat down and wrote things down and was like, you know, I I really think we we can do this. What, Uh, uh, what took you to chiropractic initially? Uh, you know, I think initially it was mostly just to have a set of skills or a, uh, a service that nobody else in the clinic offered. So, um, I was had kind of looked into it a little bit at the the beginning of my year as an associate and then um, got some some more information because, I mean, that is, you know, in the horse world is uh, pretty big. And I I hate to talk bad about horse people because they keep me in business. But I mean, there's a (laughs) there's a lot of things that people will will look to do in the horse industry that are, you know, not really well studied or, you know, don't really have anything to back them up. It's like, Hey, I've got this bag of salt water. If you give it to your horse, it's going to run, you know, 
10 seconds faster and they'll, they'll buy the bag of salt water, you know? Oh yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, like I said, it was mostly just none of the other clinicians there, um, did any sort of alternative type therapies. Um, you know, uh, we had a, a surgeon, we had a guy that, you know, focused mostly on lameness reproduction. Um, uh, Dr. Ashbrook, the the newer associate that started when I was uh, an extern, she was kind of a general pra- practitioner, um, had a lot of interest in teeth, um, and so really was focusing on that. And she had talked about uh, working on getting her certification in uh, acupuncture, um, which I think she actually has done now. Um, I'm, I'm not positive, but I, I believe so. Um, and so I, I just wanted to have something different to offer to try and you know, pull my weight, I guess you'd say around the clinic, bring in some new clients or bring in more money from existing clients just to, you know, again, be a valuable asset to the team. Uh, and, and not so much, it was not a, Hey, you know, I I strongly believe in this and it's, it needs to be a part of what we're doing kind of thing. It's, it was very much again, just coming back to the, the simple money conversation. When, uh, so when did you first get adjusted? Um, you know, I don't know exact date. I think I've, I, I've been to a chiropractor probably when I was in college once or okay. twice. Yeah. Um, so uh, just random side story. I have actually got uh spondylolisthesis in my low back. So the L5 basically just sits on top of my sacrum. Uh, the the facet joints in between those two are i've got the x-ray still on my phone and it's they, <laughs> they, just just not pretty uh-huh. um and so uh, occasionally i'll have that kind of act up and and really I, uh, the x-ray when i found out about that was was when i was in uh, college at auburn i was at the gym one day doing some bent over rows and felt something pop in my back and i, I thought it was something bad <laughs> and uh went and I finished the workout. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> good. Yeah. Uh, went and got, got some x-rays and the doctor was a really good guy. He explained it to me. And, you know, at the time I, you know, was, uh, still an undergrad. So, I mean, I, you know, didn't have a great understanding of, you know, x-rays or anything like that, but I mean, he showed it to me and it was pretty simple to, to see what was going on. Uh, and he goes, you know, this has likely been something that's been there for a while. And it's not that anything has really shifted or anything, but you know, you just did something and, and your back spasmed, uh, you know, it's, it's mostly just a muscle issue. So I just kind of had to work around that and it really wasn't a problem again until, um, probably about the, um, last three, four months of, of my job at Brazos Valley, it, mm-hmm. it got to the point where I really almost couldn't even bend over. Like, uh, I, I like to go to the gym regularly. And at that time I was still just doing some, you know, typical bodybuilding type workouts. And, um, I avoided doing any sort of squats or anything like that because they, they just hurt. And when I needed to bend over to get something off the ground, it was, you know, I kind of had to lean over and put one leg out straight behind me or, you know, take my time. And it was, it was pretty painful, which I, I think a lot of that was, was brought on by the, you know, stress and the the mental issues that I kind of had going on at the time. And, um, uh, chiropractic has really helped me, you know, be able to 
lead a fairly normal life as far as, you know, back. I mean, yeah, it still hurts sometimes and kind of depends on what I'm doing, but you know, I'm, I'm able to work out now and, and, uh, you know, uh, some of that too, I think is that I wasn't moving very well, uh, not, not with great technique. And so I, uh, actually got into CrossFit with my wife after, after we moved and, um, that, uh, I think really helped me as well. Cause it really focuses on, you know, making sure that you are moving correctly. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I have to get adjusted at least every two, three weeks, um, just to, you know, keep, keep my lower back under control and not to mention, you know, anytime anything else just happens to happen. Good. Yeah. It's no fun to do horsework when you don't yeah. feel well, that's for sure. Yeah. So you made the decision, you and your wife, you can, uh, you started a chiropractic only practice. How's it going? You know, it's going pretty good. I think at the beginning of it, I had, uh, again, uh, just coming out of a job where I put a lot of pressure on myself for the cases. It was a situation where I put a lot of pressure on myself for now I have to make this money. And, you know, when I first came out of it, it was, I've got to really, you know, I know that this is not going to happen immediately, but I've got to make this make money so that I'm, you know, not just a, a leech off of my wife. Um, and, uh, and, and that part of it was kind of frustrating just cause I, I knew that it wasn't just going to be something that was going to take off. Um, but you know, at the back of my mind, I just kind of hoped that maybe it would. Um, uh, and I, I had some, some clients and, um, you know, talked to a couple different places and went to a, a big barn um, that I had worked with before, uh, you know, when I was still in clinical practice and um, went went with them for several months. And then I, I got in touch with uh, a lady that owns a, a, a veterinary practice down in Lufkin, Texas, um, just to see if she had anybody that was, you know, coming and doing any chiropractic for her at the time. She had a lady that was coming every uh every few months or so, but she was like, no, I'd be, I'd be happy to, to have you come as well. And we can set up appointments. And, um, and so I actually go down there. Uh, I try to go about once, once a month. Sometimes I, I get a few months in between. Um, but, uh, Angelina animal hospital, I still go there regularly. Um, and th things are slowly growing. Um, it, it's certainly not my major source of income still, but I don't, you know, I've reached the point where that's, that's okay. Cause luckily with, uh, you know, the other things that I do in my life and my background with rodeo, things worked out really well. Um, so even through college and vet school, um, as I said earlier, my father was a professional rodeo announcer. My brother is, uh, also in the, the rodeo industry. He, he works for Ram trucks doing marketing for them, but also does uh, some rodeo production things for a couple different rodeo, uh, stock contractors and, uh, rodeos around the country. And so he got me involved with, uh, a, a stock contractor here in Texas. And I started doing, uh, music at, at their rodeos. And then that kind of grew and that's, uh, something that I really love doing. It's something that I enjoy being around. And, um, part of the reason that I really got excited about the possibility of leaving a regular clinical practice was to be able to have more time to travel and 
go to more rodeos and do things like that. So, um, I was very fortunate that, you know, I know enough people and that, um, uh, those people are, you know, good to me and, um, you know, really helped me get a few new things last year. So last year I did more rodeos than I've ever done, which is not saying much just from the standpoint of I was always in college or having a job and kind of having to work around it. Uh, but then this year uh, after that, I've, I've got even more scheduled than what I had last year. Um, and, um, that's just a, something that I really enjoy doing. It's, it's, it's one of those things that, I mean, you hear people say all the time and it's a terrible cliche. I really hate it, but you know, uh, you know, if, if you love what you're doing, you'll never work a day in your life. It's, it's still work. I mean, I, you know, I have to lift heavy speakers, get things set up and deal with frustrating people. But at the end of the day, when it comes time for the rodeo, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and I really enjoy what I'm doing and I'm, and I'm lucky that I'm, uh, you know, I feel like I'm fairly good at it and I've, I've got some, some great rodeos that I get to go to some great stock contractors that I work for and, uh, great committees that I work for. And, um, you know, it, it ends up, you know, really helping to pay the bills. And then on top of that, um, you know, I, I definitely did not want to let my veterinary license lapse. And so I'm, I'm licensed in Texas and in Florida and, um, you know, I'm going to maintain those for, uh, you know, not only just legitimacy of, of doing the chiropractic thing, but also to be able to, um, you know, do some other things if I want to. So I don't ever, you know, plan to do any sort of, you know, again, traditional medicine, but, you know, like small animal vaccine clinics, they've got them around the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, and they're, you know, extremely low stress. You know, I'm just kind of an independent contractor for them. I come in, I, you know, check out the animals, make sure they're okay, give them their vaccines for the people that need them. And, uh, they do, you know, heartworm medication and stuff like that at a, a lower cost than just going to a regular clinic. And, um, so whenever I'm home for a good period of time, I'll, um, you know, do a, a few of those uh, a week and I uh, just kind of make some extra money that way. And, uh, I feel very fortunate that, um, money wise things are are going well and um you know la last year and and this year I'll uh you know have made more money than I would have in in veterinary practice you know taking out the fact that yes I do have to pay for my own health insurance and you know other benefits and things like that Hey there's nothing wrong with diversified income that's for sure yeah, and absolutely. now we can you can look back and say taking that full ride to Auburn and going to Mississippi Mississippi state was a good decision yeah and and my wife like i said she she's also a veterinarian she um i actually started off on a similar similar track to me she wanted to do equine and i uh, ended up going to a mixed animal practice for a few years and then got into strictly small animal and then after we moved up here uh, she kind of worked at uh, a clinic for a little while and um you know knowing that i like to travel and and she doesn't like to stay home alone. She uh, strictly does relief work now, so she can make her own schedule. Um, you know, she'll work, you know, up here in the, the Dallas area whenever we're home. There's a couple different clinics that she, you know, has a good relationship with that, you know, constantly need help. Um, and then whenever we do travel places. So this weekend we went down to uh, Huntsville, Texas, Walker County Fair and Rodeo. Uh, Friday and Saturday and uh, Friday she worked at a clinic in Huntsville that needed an extra hand and then on Saturday she drove uh, about 
30, 45 minutes down to Conroe, Texas, and, and worked at a clinic down there. And so, you know, what, when we're in Texas or, or in Florida, um, you know, it works out well to kind of, again, make some extra there. And, um, and then also to me, the, the rodeo thing, I think has always been something I thought that would help me from the chiropractic perspective. So when I go places, I put up a banner to let people know, um, you know, when they're there with their horses and stuff, cause that's really the the crowd that I'd like to be in with and, you know, be able to just make that extra money whenever I do go to rodeos and I'll, you know, I'm here anyway. And, you know, rodeos not until tonight, I'm not doing anything happy to, you know, adjust some horses or, you know, after the rodeo's over before they leave, um, you know, do the same. That sounds wonderful. It sounds like you guys have a great plan. It's a, it's a good plan. You know, sometimes it works and sometimes not so much, but uh, like I said, I, I feel very fortunate that things have worked out at, at least to this point as they have. And, I, um, you know, really, really do feel blessed that I get to do, you know, something that I love with the music and rodeo and that, um, you know, the, the chiropractic thing while it hasn't, you know, taken off to the point that it's, you know, some sort of, you know, uh, amazing, you know, I've got clients backed up type deal. Um, you know, I do have more and more regular clients and, uh, beginning of this year, I've actually had, uh, a, a good handful of people around this area that have contacted me for dogs. Um, you know, which is not again, what I intended to really get into, but not something, you know, I, I'm more than happy to, to work on dogs. I have, you know, they're, um, to me, it's a, uh, it's, it's very different working on a dog than it is on a horse, you know, horses, you know, so much larger and you got so much more surface area for each individual vertebrae and, uh, you know, dogs, it's, it's a lot smaller and then their teeth are, are a little quicker. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's true. That's true. I have a very similar trajectory to yours. I was doing adjusting horses and dog people started to call and, and, uh, and I slowly evolved to where I don't. Unfortunately, don't do any horses anymore, but, uh, yeah, you know, dog people call, you work on them and you see what yeah. happens. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've, I've been, you know, excited about some of the things that I have, um, you know, been able to see through doing that, you know, some dogs that, uh, actually a couple of the dogs that I've, I've seen had very similar things going on with just some, some neck pain and, um, you know, not, not doing well. And then, you know, you always enjoy the simple ones. Um, I had a, a dachshund the lady called me about a dachshund and I was like, oh, okay, well, I know why you're calling. Uh, but I was wrong. <laughs> not, not down in the hind end doing great older, older dachshund, but he had, um, had some, some trouble with, uh, his shoulder, uh, said he was just super painful around it. Didn't like you to touch it would kind of scream and, uh, didn't know if he had, you know, run into something or jumped off of something. I was like, okay, we'll have a look at him. And, you know, uh, the dog's back is, is fantastic. Not super sensitive anywhere. Everything, you know, feels pretty good. Um, I don't think I really had to adjust much down the back, got to the neck, you know, uh, and work my way down. And, um, you know, to me, the neck is really where I feel like I do the most good on, on any animal I'm doing. Um, but I've, I've gone, so they're real big on focusing on the Atlas at, uh, at aces. And, and I always, uh, you know, start there on a horse and make sure I get there on a dog. I usually work my way back to front on a dog, uh, and then kind of go, you know, skip, you know, lower cervical, go up to the top and then work my way back down and finish with lower cervical. Um, and, um, I, I've found that, um, 
And I mean, I, this may not be a like a eureka type statement, but um, m- most animals that I adjust, you know, their lower cervical region is going to be out one way or another. Um, and uh, usually that's going to be a, a fairly painful adjustment um you know for dogs and horses i had an arabian horse one time try to turn around take my head off and um you know my own dachshund when i adjust that he he turns into cujo so (laughs) um but uh yeah i i uh when this dog and you know lower cervical adjustment got behind the scapula on the right side got it real good and um you know, he, he made a lot of noise. I made sure to let them know that it was, you know, not going to be pretty. I feel like that's one of the main things that I struggle with, especially with, um, you know, more sentimental type clientele. They're like, oh, you're hurting them. You know, they're screaming. They don't like it. You know, we're not going to let you do this again. Not that anybody has said that to me, but it's just kind of the feel that you get from some of the people that you adjust the dog. And so, you know, I try to make sure that they know, you know, especially people that have been to chiropractors, they kind of understand, you know, if you're walking around with pain, it's probably going to hurt, you know, when, when you get popped. And, um, but you know, if it's, if it's something fairly simple, you may be able to stand up and immediately feel better. And that's what happened with this dog. I was like, this, that's just one of those ones that, that is, uh, one of the easy ones, you know, I was like, you, you really, you get to see that and meet like the dog was running around, be able to touch his shoulder. He's doing great. Um, you know, followed up with them one time, uh, uh, about a week ago, I guess. And, uh, he was still doing great, adjusted him, um, you know, had, uh, was doing much better, uh, still adjusted the, the same area on him, but, um, the, those, those make it easy. The ones that are frustrating, the ones where it's like, I know that I'm doing good, but I'm not seeing much of anything. And I try to, you know, it's hard to temper people's expectations. Cause I think some people are like, well, you know, you get one shot to do this. And, you know, then there's other people that are, you know, kind of in the middle of, well, you know, we'll, we'll do what we can, but if we're not going to see anything, and then there's other people that are just like, Hey, we want to get this dog on a regular schedule and, you know, we want to keep it going. And I mean, those are, those are the best, but, um, you know, a lot of people just don't, you know, either have the mindset or, you know, belief in the process to do something like that, or, you know, they don't have the, the funds or, you know, money to be able to, to do something like that. And I certainly understand that. And, um, you know, uh, sure. Yeah. More than happy well, the to... right people will find you. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, Will, I think this is a good place to let it go. Um, it was wonderful getting to know you and hearing your story. And I, I know that you're going to have great success going forward. Well, I appreciate it. And I uh, appreciate you having me. Hopefully I didn't ramble too much for everybody and, uh, you know, reduce your audience too much. <laughs> no. And uh, maybe I'll meet you this fall if you're going to the conference. Yes, sir. Look forward to it. Good. All right. Thanks, Will. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies. ZIVT provides world-leading education in natural medicine, including three accredited postgraduate qualifications, industry-recognized certifications, and a wide range of evidence-based courses and webinars delivered by qualified and experienced practitioners. By bridging cutting-edge science and tradition, CIVT helps you to expand your treatment options to tackle your most challenging cases. And whether you're a veterinarian, veterinary technician or nurse, animal health professional, or someone who wants to learn more, they have the right course for you. Investigate their offerings at civt.edu.
www.thepodcastnetwork.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, we'd appreciate if you'd take the time to tell a friend and to give us a favorable rating on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for your support. We'll see you next time.